Well, if you have a Bible, and I hope you or somebody around you does that you can look on with, let me invite you to open with me to Exodus chapter 14. It's the second book in the Bible, so very close to the beginning, Exodus chapter 14. And as you're turning there, I want to welcome those of you in Montgomery County and Arlington and PW and Loudoun, as well as others online who are physically unable to be with us today. It's good to be together around God's word as we seek God. Exodus chapter 14, verse 1. This is the word of God right after he delivered his people out of centuries of slavery in Egypt. The Bible says, the Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pi-hahiroth between Migdal and the sea in front of Baal-zephon. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, they're wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people. And they said, what is this we have done, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him and took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them, encamped at the sea by Pi-hahirath in front of Baal-zephon. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. Amen. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Amen. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who was going before the host of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, 
And the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land. The waters were divided, and the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning watched the Lord in the pillar of fire and of cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come up back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, The Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen. Of all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea, not one of them remained. But the people of Israel Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord. And they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Wow. That seems to be an appropriate word to describe this story. And wow seems to be an appropriate word to describe what is happening in our church family. That's the word that another pastor in our city who was with us on Thursday night used to describe what he saw among us right now. Wow. So let me bring you up to speed just in case you've missed some of the last week. And I would add recent years that have led to this last week. As a church family, we have walked through many trials and challenges over the last few years from many directions, from without a pandemic, isolation, polarization, tensions, and a cultural climate that is quick to criticize and cancel, and increasingly quick to cancel what the Bible says about everything from sexuality and marriage to sin and hell. And trials and challenges from within. I won't recount them all, but these have been hard years in our church family that have threatened our unity around love for Jesus and each other and the world around us. And last week, a book came out that is really the overflow of all these things, not just in my own heart, but in the heart of our church family. Don't hold back. Don't give up, even when it's costly. Don't coast where it's safe. Do all that God is calling you to do in this time, in this place. Be an otherworldly family. 
with multi-ethnic beauty turned the tide on centuries of racial division in the church. Love and honor every person made in the image of God, especially those who disagree with you. Do justice extravagantly in a world of injustice. Love mercy. Spread the glory of Jesus' name among all the nations of the earth. Don't hold back from any of these things. And most importantly, don't hold back from God as the goal of it all. See and seek more and more and more of God. And we talked last week about how God has been moving in some special ways in our country, including among students on college campuses, stories of thousands of people traveling to Asbury University to see a movement of God's spirit. And we talked last week about how we don't have to travel anywhere to meet with God. He is here. Like, he's near to us right now in these rooms where we're gathered. He's here. So we opened God's word and we heard God say, Isaiah 55, come to me. Come. Anybody, everybody who's thirsty, come to the water that I alone can give you. Come to me and find compassion and pardon for all your sins. Come to me that you may live. You will die forever without me. Call upon me, God says, while I'm near today here. So we said, we're going to do this. In our gathering here at other locations, we're going to stand and we're going to kneel and we're going to lift our hands and we're going to fall on our faces and we're going to sing and we're going to pray and confess our sin and surrender our lives and ask for his help. We're not going to hold back from God. And in a way nobody could have planned, people started responding in different, unforgettable, life-changing ways across all of our locations And this gathering, our 11 o'clock gathering here at Tyson's last week, kept going and going and going. And whereas we normally finish by 1230, we didn't end until almost 4 o'clock. That's something I've never experienced on a Sunday, not just in ministry, like in 40-plus years of my life, worshiping and praying and confessing sin and interceding for each other, praying for healing and help from God. It was awesome. And I was so hesitant to end the service even then. And one person down front shouted, is is this what heaven's going to be like? I was like, "I I think this is a glimpse, except we won't be praying for healing. That'll be all taken care of. So not that part, but a lot of these other parts, yes. And, and part of me didn't want to stop. I felt like it was, it was time. I think we'd used all the songs that band knew to play together. So, so 
we left, and I went home physically exhausted but spiritually full. And I actually had an opportunity to sleep in a little extra the next morning, but I woke up early. The only way I can describe it was like a holy nudge, like a physical compulsion to get out of bed earlier than I'd planned. So I did and went into my time with the Lord. And at the end of that time, after praying through all kinds of things, and including thanking God for the day before, the thought came to my mind, I wonder if we should invite people to gather again tonight. So I reached out to other pastors, like, what do you guys think? And as we talked about it, we were like, well, why not? We don't know how many people will come, but if like 20 people show up and we seek God, that'll be awesome. And if more show up, also awesome. Awesome or awesome, let's do it. So we put the all call out, sent out the e-news. If you don't have the e-news, you totally missed out this week. Like, sign up for the e-news. We're trying to get word out. Hey, we're going to gather tonight all across, from across all our locations here at Tyson's at 7.30, and we did on Monday night, and more than 20 people showed up, and we prayed, and we worshiped, and we confessed sin, and we interceded for each other, and it got to about 10 o'clock, and there was so much energy in that room, so much, I mean, it was loud, and a way that the only way we could stop it at that point was if we said, okay, we'll try to get together in tomorrow night. If, if we'll stop now, that way we can sleep and, and come back. And so the next morning we got together, hey, let's do it tonight. Put the all call out, came together on Tuesday night. Same thing at the end, past 10 o'clock. Okay, I think, I think we can maybe try to do this again tomorrow night. So put the all call out Wednesday. Well, Wednesday night, it was like, no brainer. We're coming back on Thursday night. Just hours every single night this week as a church family, God, leading us in a way that nobody had planned. Like we, uh, we, uh, we were like, okay, let's sing this song at the start. And we sang the same song at the start of every night. So even that was pretty, uh, it wasn't really a lot of planning to it. It was like, let's just do what we did last night. And then after that, for the next couple, few hours, it was just the Spirit of God leading us to pray in all kinds of ways. People came to know Christ. We prayed for people who were coming to know Christ on one night who came to Christ on another night. People were praying for each other, confessing sin, idolatry of money, idolatry of possessions, idolatry of work, overwork, sexual immorality, adultery, addiction. There's one night, I think it was early on Monday, I think, when we were confessing sin and, and the last brother to share in that time he just broke down and confessed to addiction to drinking in front of everybody who was there. And Mike was there with him and just invited anybody who has been an addict just to come and pray over him. And this group of people just from all across the room came and prayed over him. And then I thought, well, there's, there's others in this room I know. I think probably struggling with addiction at least. So I said, is there anybody else who's addicted in some way that you'd like a group to pray around you like that? And people started coming down to the front from all across the room. And we gathered around all of them just praying for freedom from sin and no condemnation in Christ. And then there was one night, uh, somebody was sharing about depression and suicidal thoughts. 
And I just stopped and said, I'm guessing there's people in this room who are struggling with that. And so if you'd be so bold as to say, yeah, I, I struggle with depression, suicidal thoughts, or suicidal thoughts, both. And I want to invite you to stand, and we're going to gather around and pray for you. People stood all across the room and said, that's me. I know at least one person who was about to take their life. Somebody came rushing home to them. They came together that night and prayed for healing over them. I know at least one person who, who God used this week to save their life. Amen. And, and just in so many different directions. Then our, at, at different points, our teenagers and young adults spoke what I would only describe as spirit-prompted speech. Like they, and not just over their peers. They were boldly speaking over their peers about everything from uh, obsession with what others think about you to anxiety and depression, but just spoke such truth. I'm standing there with a microphone just stunned. Like this is not coming, I mean, it's all based on the word of God, and it's coming from the spirit through these teenagers, not just to their peers, but to our whole church family. I was like, we all, we all needed that one. And it was one after another, after another. Young adults, the next night, we saw God bring healing spiritually and emotionally and mentally, relationally and marriages that are hurting. Thursday night, we saw a host of people of all ages on their knees and on their faces at the front, just prayerfully saying, I think the Lord may be calling me to go to the unreached with the gospel. and I, I want to do whatever he wants me to do. Again, all of this, in a way, nobody planned or could have planned. We just came together to seek God, and God, by His Spirit, apparently is near to those who are seeking Him. I'll tell you a story. On Wednesday night, we're, uh, we're praying for marriages, and uh, a couple that shared just testimony after 30-plus years in marriage, they started talking about divorce. They'd never talked about that until 30-plus years in. And just confessing things in their own heart that led to that and how they shared how God restored their marriage. And, uh, and I knew, so we were praying for marriages after that, but I also knew there was another story in the room of somebody who works with our Reengage Our Marriage Ministry who had led somebody who's in that ministry to Jesus on Tuesday night. And so I was like, hey, uh, Glenn Jones. I said, Glenn, why don't you and your wife, Sharon, <coughs> excuse me, come up here, just share that story. And, and I thought, we'll pray for marriages again, and then we'll kind of move on to something else. But Glenn starts sharing about how the week before, he had sent out a text to a group of people, and text had a variety of things in it, but it, specifically, the first question he asked is, do you have a personal, intimate relationship with God through Jesus? And there's one of these guys in the text that texted him back and said, no, I don't. So they met on Tuesday, and this guy came to faith in Jesus. Well, Glenn was sharing about this on Wednesday. And as he's sharing, I thought, I, want, I think we need to ask that question right now to everybody in this room. Do you have a personal, intimate relationship with God through Jesus? But then I mean, it went through my mind. I was like, it's, it was like 945 at a prayer gathering. Like, why would you ask that? Why else would you be here? <laughs> but then I started thinking, well, where does it say that in the Bible? Like, everyone who goes to prayer gatherings at 9.45 at night shall be saved. Like, it's not in there. So, so I just said, okay, 
this is not something I was planning on doing, but I just want to ask that question in this room right now. Do you have a personal, intimate relationship with God through Jesus? And if not, I want to invite you to come down here to the front. Everybody's sitting. I want to invite you to stand up, come down here to the front. And I know that's bold, but God's seeking after you. Just I want to invite you to respond to him. And so we paused and we waited. And at first, nobody moved. And then, all of a sudden, this guy over on this side of the room stands up. And he comes, I'm going to say running down. Don't picture like a total sprint, but it was more than a walk. He comes jogging down to the front. And his grandmother, who's been praying for him, is on the other side of the room. So she comes down. And then this person starts coming. And this person. And this person. And before long, this area in the front is filled with people. Who are, I, 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 should, I should say, who were either saying, I said, if you're, you've never begun a personal relationship with God through Jesus. Or that was something you did a long time ago and a lot's happened since then. And you're far from God right now. And people just started coming down. And everybody's cheering them on as they did. We prayed over them. And then, so the story gets better because the next night, I hear about Victoria. So Victoria's 21 and uh, in our young adult ministry. So she shares the next night. And I didn't even know all the details until she's up there sharing. Well, on Tuesday night, so follow this. Uh, Tuesday night. Uh, we celebrated, there was, there was a woman who was 90, is 92 years old who was baptized at PW this last Sunday. 92. And we just, we just prayed, like, how many of you have parents who don't know Jesus that you're praying for? Like, don't give up. Don't lose heart praying for them. It's just 92. And so we asked people to stand if they had parents who don't know Jesus. They're on their heart. And just people standing with tears in their eyes, like praying for their parents. And so they stood, and we gathered around. We prayed for those parents with them. So Victoria stood on Tuesday night and prayed for her mom. Well, on Wednesday night, uh, we were, were together, and uh, Glenn is sharing about this question he asked. And Victoria said she'd invited her mom to come on Wednesday night, and there was a variety of challenges. She hadn't been there, but then uh, she ended up getting there late. And Victoria knew she had come. And so Victoria said, I'm sitting there, and I start praying while this guy is sharing. I start praying that you will give an invitation for people to come to Jesus. And specifically, I prayed that you would invite people to come down to the front. I'm like, Victoria, you were praying that? Because I wasn't planning on that until that moment. And so anyway, I give that invitation to people coming down the front. You'll never guess who comes down the front. Victoria's mom, who we prayed for on Tuesday night. <laughs> like, you don't plan this. You don't orchestrate this. God alone can do God is doing in our midst that which can only be explained by his hand and only be attributed to his glory. And I want to see more of that. Don't you want to see more of him and his hand at work in ways that can only be attributed to his glory? So Thursday morning, we're like, what do we, what do, we do? Do we keep meeting on the weekend, Friday, Saturday? Or not? Like, how often do we keep meeting like this? And that's when we were reminded as we're talking, like, unlike Asbury or 
college campus that's designed for classes, for academic training. We're different. We're a church, which means we're built for this. And we're designed to gather every single week to do this. Not to go through religious motions and check off a box and kind of move on with our lives. No, we're designed to meet with God every week, to seek God and to follow the leadership of his spirit in our midst. This is who we are. This is what we exist to do. And we can call special gatherings like this anytime. We can be sensitive to gathering like this, not just in large groups and doesn't have to be big. It could be in homes and church groups, smaller settings, just with friends. It's good together. Let me show you a picture from Loudon on Wednesday night. I say Loudon, a group that goes to the Loudon location was, so picture Wednesday night, we're gathered here, a lot of people at Tyson's, 50 people in this home. This is the Taylor home. They'd invited high school students and adults, including their parents, just to come and worship and pray in their home on Wednesday. They had 50 people in the home, and at one point, so the students were meeting downstairs, and their, the parents and adults were upstairs. At one point, the students who were gathered in the basement were singing so loudly that the adults who were upstairs praying together couldn't hear what each other was saying. So the adults just started, decided to start singing whatever songs the students were singing. Is that not awesome? The songs of students combining with the songs of their parents and adults rising in praise to God from all kinds of nations, generations. So there were families in that home from South Korea, Uganda, Haiti, India, and baby boomers down to a two-month-old. They said it felt like a glimpse of heaven. So here's the deal. We're not going to stop doing this in homes, in groups, all throughout the week, all together on special occasions. And we're going to do this every single Sunday. It is time to shift our expectation for what happens when we come together with the people of God to seek the glory of God. We are here because we want more of God. We want to seek him. We want to see more and more and more of him. We want his spirit to move among us. Here's how I would put it. And this is why I read Exodus 14, which just so happened to be our church's Bible reading on Friday morning. After all this week, God ordained for us to read this chapter, this story at the end of this week. And I want to say to us, based on the word of God to us, two things. One, we're not going back. God is moving among us, leading us to a new place as a church over recent years and recent days. And you don't see God move in these ways and then go back to normal. You have a new normal. And that doesn't mean you don't look back with respect and even awe for what God has done in the past. I was so encouraged this week when somebody sent me a message from a distant family member of Alan Gardner, who was pastor of NBC decades ago. And this distant family member of Alan's, Alan's now with the Lord, but this family member was just cheering us on as a church. We praise God for what he has done by his grace, in his power, over almost 62 years in this church. At the same time, he's not leading us backward. He's leading us forward. And this week is not the end of something. This is the beginning of something. 
And it's one of the things that you notice in Exodus 14. So our Bible reading on Friday morning in this passage, God is leading his people into a new land. Even as he gives them explicit instructions to remember his grace and his power in the past. But did you notice what happened around verses 10, 11, and 12? They start to get nervous and afraid, and they start to say, we want to go back where we were. Because they're, they're not sure where this is leading, afraid of what's happening. And Moses says, remember this? Fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. These Egyptians you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. Just be quiet and follow him. See him. Brothers and sisters, when God calls you forward, you don't go backward. And I just want to take that principle and bring it into this picture in this moment because there is a constant temptation for all of us, including me, to settle for a safe, easy, comfortable Christianity that consists of casually going through motions on Sunday morning and moving on with our lives however we want to live them. But that is not biblical Christianity, and it's not what we were made for. We were made for so much more. We were made to gather every week. And can I just mention, not online. I am thankful for an online broadcast that makes it possible for people who are physically unable to be here or are traveling to stay connected with what God is doing in our midst. But you don't experience what we are experiencing in our gatherings by watching a screen. This is, this is not a show to watch. This is a body to be with in worship. Amen. I think about, I think about Chung Kim, who his, his body has been deteriorating, and he tried to come Monday night, and he fainted. He's had cancer, all kinds of challenges. He fainted. His wife and daughter came. Tuesday night, he had to get, do some blood work. He stopped by on the way to try to come, but he, he only made it inside enough to be able to lay down in a, a medical area we have back here. And we just prayed over him. Do you know this brother, as he's been just body weakening, he's still been going out to that Loudon location. He's laid down on a couch outside the gathering just because he wants to be with the people of God. Amen. And Sean Kim went to be with the Lord late this week. Amen. He's home and he's healed. And his testimony beckons us. Bring your struggles. Bring your hurts. Bring your pains. 
and be with the people of God. Seek him. Right? This, is, this is more important than sports on Sunday. This is more important than so many other things that vie for our attention. So don't, don't just do this when it's convenient. What are we doing? It's the most important thing we can do. Gather together with the people of God. Meet with God. Let's make that a priority. Let's put aside lesser priorities. Seek God. We made an intentional decision on Monday morning not to broadcast these gatherings each night because we wanted to prioritize doing what the church does. Hebrews chapter 10, gathering together under the banner of the blood of Jesus who's paid the price for our sins and opened the door wide for us into heaven so we can meet with God, seek God with hunger in our hearts to say to God together, we want more of you and to see what he does in our midst in the room. And we want to meet with God like that every Sunday. We're not going back. And then we want to scatter throughout the week to share life with each other and get together around God's word and pray for each other and confess sin to each other and bear each other's burdens and work together in the power of the Holy Spirit to spread the gospel in this city. We're not going back to anything less than this, which means, second, we're not holding back. And I think about these Israelites in Exodus 14. (laughs) You see waters part? You got two options. You can sit there on the shore, pull out your camera and be like, this is pretty awesome. (laughs) Just watch it, start posting it. Or you can stand up and walk into a place that used to be a sea and now it's dry land. And you can walk through it. You don't have to be a passive observer. You can walk through water with walls of water on both sides of you. And I've watched men and women and students step into that this week, saying we don't want to hold back. Here's how I'd put it. Let's try to summarize it. From one biblical conviction, let's be clear, this word is our guide in everything we do. We don't want to do anything that's not directed by God's word. We want to hold fast to this word, but not with like just cold intellectual belief, not just like, hey, the goal is just to get more information for our minds. Like, yes, biblical conviction that leads to humble confession of sin in our lives. We're not, we're not going to gather together and go through motions and hold on to the same sin we came in here with. We can do that if we're not careful. I would say we usually do that. But where the Spirit is truly moving, there's brokenness over sin. God's been doing this all week long, and we can't stop. There's more work to be done in all of our hearts. So let's be real. Let's be honest. Let's not hold back from humble confession of sin in our lives to him, to each other. So I was, I was so convicted of the ugliness of some specific sin in my life one night this week. And I had just told everybody in the room to confess your sins to each other, that you may be healed. That's what James 5 says. This is a command from God. Confess your sins to one another. Tell others about your sin. And pray for one another that you may be healed. So I'm just convicted of just ugly sin. 
And God says, well, you need to confess that to somebody else. And I thought, I, I don't want to share that with anybody else. But I just said this. Knew I needed to. So I went, I pulled Mike aside. I said, bro, I need you to pray for me. And I shared with him. And I felt so ashamed at first. And yet so free when he finished praying for me. And it's, it's, his word is true. We can't, any of us, hold back from honest, humble confession. And so keep going faithful intercession for each other. There's so many hurts, so many struggles in this gathering right now, in whatever room you're in. So let's not hold back from praying for each other. When I invited people to stand struggling with depression or suicidal thoughts, what a boldness, what a courage to stand and say that and then to be prayed for. Like, we need that. Let's stop pretending like everything's perfect and we don't need each other. We're designed to pray for each other, to carry each other. And if you're so prideful that you think you don't need others, at least open your eyes to the fact that maybe somebody else needs you. Amen. Let's intercede for each other with faith, full of faith, with faith in God's power to heal, God's power to sustain physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, to restore marriages, to redeem broken relationships, to save spouses and parents and prodigal kids. Let's pray full of faith in our God. I've just seen in my own heart and in the hearts of so many people just faith rising, like actually believing God's listening and answering according to what we ask. So let's not hold back from faithful intercession and fruitful obedience. This is one of the things I love about what God's doing. These gatherings just been marked in such sweet ways by the fruit of God's spirit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. One person who came to faith on one of those nights said, I walked into the room and I just could sense the love of God in this place. May that be the aroma of our church family. And when we gather and when we scatter, because that's You'll be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, so you'll be a what? A witness to his love in the world, which leads to the next thing, urgent mission. People sharing the gospel this week with boldness coming out of these gatherings. May it be so. A mark of the move of God's Spirit would be boldness in the church and openness among the lost. Don't we want both those things in our city? Don't, don't we want to pray that God would soften hearts all across our city so people are open to hear and we're bold to share and people are coming to faith in Jesus? Yes. We want that in our city. Yes. We want that among the nations. Yes. So not hold back from urgent mission. A couple more. Spiritual worship. I use this phrase intentionally. One, in the sense that when we gather for worship, we want our worship to be led by the Holy Spirit in ways that you just can't plan or program. I want, just to come into today, God, please lead by your spirit in a way only you can lead. Amen. We want to be prepared. 
G. Campbell Morgan said, we cannot organize revival, but we can set our sails to catch the wind from heaven when God chooses to blow upon his people once again. So set the sails and pray for the wind. So we'll set the sails, but spiritual worship. And then I also use that phrase, because that's language straight from Romans chapter 12, verse 1. We offer our bodies as a sacrifice on the altar, altar before God, holy we don't want to hold anything back from all of our lives and worship to him. Amen. And to do that as a church family. Yes. I want to do all these things together as a family. One of my favorite moments was, and, and we actually happened some on Sunday in here, and then on Thursday night, we're praying together in different languages for different countries we're from. I just asked people just to pray short prayers in different languages from different countries, and it went on and on and on. I think we covered like the whole UN in just the room. Like it was, it was so amazing in a way that I was reminded in a beautiful way that we are a family of brothers and sisters who have very different bloodlines. At the same time, we all share the one bloodline that matters most. The blood of Jesus who died for our sins makes us a family. We all have the same father. And we love him. It's what brings us together. We love him. We love running to him. We're like kids before a dad who's greater than anyone, anything else in the world put together. So we're going to Pursue him with all our hearts. And I want to invite you to join in. Last week, I mentioned it already. I said at the very beginning last week, I said, this room, all the rooms where we're gathered, is about to divide into two groups, observers and participants. And some of you are going to watch other people seek God. And you're going to miss out. I want to invite you. Don't miss out. Participate. Seek God. I've seen this week, uh, church family said, we're going in. In the same way, like Exodus 14, can you imagine that scene? Stepping into where just a minute ago there was a sea, and now it's a highway. And you see a wall of water on your left. Like, what do you, I, 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 like, touch it. Or do you just like stay far away from it, like just keep distance, stay right in the middle? I don't know. I don't know. What do you do? But a wall of water on your left, on your right, and you see this angel in this cloud leading you. <laughs> this is amazing. And then you see this angel in the cloud come behind you and light up the night and keep the Egyptians from touching one of you. God, your leader, God, your defender at the same time. And you walk through, you see God do what only he can do. When you get to the other side, are you not like, what just happened? That was awesome. What we are seeing, what we've seen, only be explained by the hand of God, only be attributed to the glory of God. Yes, yes, and yes, more of that. So let's, let's, we're going to seek him right now. It's what we're here to do. In just a minute, I'm going to lead here in this room and other location pastors lead where you are. And much like last week, I just want to, I want you to have freedom 
during this time under the leadership of pastors in our church to sing and worship in ways that are pleasing to God. To pray if God puts it on your heart to stop singing and start praying by yourself. Pray with others around you, with somebody else, with a group of others. Where you're standing, your hands in the air, seated on your knees, on your face before God. It's freedom there in your seat, in the aisles, down here at the front. Maybe quietly praying or maybe, maybe crying out to God. Seek Him as He's leading you to seek Him. Confess sin to God. Conf- confess sin to somebody else. You want to be healed? Confess sin. Ask for them to pray over you. Maybe, maybe God leads you to pray for things in your life, things in others' lives. Maybe he leads you to pray with others for somebody else. Maybe you ask somebody to pray for you in something. Like, just don't be an observer. Participate in whatever the way God is leading you to participate. Pray for courage to share the gospel. Pray for people who don't know Jesus. Pray for, maybe, maybe some of you are facing some decisions in your life. Just to pray, God, help me to do whatever you're calling me to do. Maybe just praise God for who he is. Thank God for what he's done in your life. And and some of you don't have an intimate relationship with God through Jesus yet. And today, in this moment, right now, his spirit's speaking to your heart, inviting you to come to him. Don't hold back. Why would you not come to God? Why would you not come to his waters? Why would you keep drinking from the waters of this world that will not satisfy you when you have a well that will never run dry offered to you? Jesus has died on the cross for your sin. He's risen from the dead so you can have life forever with him. Don't hold back from that. Don't just watch others seeking God. Seek God. Let's all do this. Let's pray. God, we praise you for the privilege made possible for us right now by the blood of Jesus to come into your throne room. The window of heaven opened wide for all of us through Jesus. So we pray, lead us by your spirit. Convict us of sin. We pray, open our eyes to sin. Lead us to confession humility before you, before others. Lead people to salvation in you. Lead people to strength and courage in you, and hope in you, and help from you in all kinds of ways. God, I just pray that in this room and at other locations that in these moments, your spirit would have free reign in our hearts. Lead us according to your word by your spirit to seek you with all our hearts and to find you, to drink from your waters. Now, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.